0: And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dozella, myself, Son Edom, take a look at the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And Dan, you know, as we get towards Christmas time, we start to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus obviously is the precursor to Jesus dying on the cross 33 years later, saving us from our sins. So it's really an exciting time, not only from the perspective of Christmas and the holidays, But it really is the gift of all gifts that was born that day, and that is the gift of eternal life. And one of the things that seems to be getting kind of bogged down in the mire, kind of getting messed up these days, is that message, that message of salvation. You know, Christians or in the religious world, I guess you talk uh, about theology, you know, the belief of somebody, what we believe in. And now in this kind of woke environment that we live in, and this progressive age supposedly that we're going through, You get this progressive theology, and this progressive theology tends to take away from that true message of what Christmas, and then Easter, and all parts in between, and then thereafter as far as uh, revelations and, and salvation and on into eternity. It seems like that this progressive theology is really taken away. You've got things like the supreme authority and truthfulness of the scriptures being questioned, We all know that we've talked about it where the Holy Spirit isn't a part of the Trinity anymore. It's just a symbol. We've talked about Jesus not being the only way to heaven. And so, you know, and even things like the virgin birth is being questioned. So what is it? And I thought that's something that we could try to maybe touch on today is that progressive theology. And then other things that come with that as we let our guard down and that sin Mm -hmm. comes in. Those biblical boundaries then kind of come tumbling down like the walls of Jericho.
1: Yeah, they sure do, Son. Uh, you know, I suppose we could say that progressive theology really began in the Garden of Eden when. When Satan uh, lied to Adam and Eve and and suggested things there to Eve that um, you know were not uh were not biblical uh, he was twisting scripture um we, we we know son that this is what the cults do um the, the cults twist scripture they get scripture wrong they deviate from the orthodox Christian faith um, there is only one Christian faith so when people talk about um you, you know you'll hear that term um uh, today, you know progressive theology or progressive Christian um, you know what, what we really have to evaluate when when we hear those terms is, is what exactly are you talking about i mean are, are you are you talking about the God of the Bible who is three persons and one God? Or are you, as the cults do, are you redefining, um, you know, God, are you denying the Trinity? Are you lowering Jesus to be, you know, a man and and elevating yourself to be more godlike? which is what, um, you know, what, what the cults do. It's what the, uh, prosperity preachers do. Um, you know, but, but with progressive theology, son, really what we're dealing with, uh, by and large, we're, we're, we're dealing with ideas that, uh, in many cases were introduced in Europe. Um, You know, some of these things started to uh, come about really, um, you know, over 150 years ago, um, but they've kind of worked their way into America, into the institutions of our country, and, and, and the way that they um, reveal themselves is they have a they have a low view of Scripture. So you you mentioned you know um, the issue of not viewing Scripture as the supreme authority, which it is. You know, the Bible is inerrant; it's God's word; it's inspired. All Scripture is God breathed, but what what, what Progressive theologians have done, and even some seminary professors, you know, uh, they have lower they have a lowered view of scripture and, and that causes them to question everything from just the biblical doctrine of the atonement. Uh, which, which teaches that, that Jesus shed his blood on the cross for us sinners uh, to, to save us. You, you would think that that would be a non-negotiable. Well, if you're a progressive, um, you know, there really aren't many non-negotiables. Um, you know, everything's kind of up for grabs. Um, they, they don't seem to be very comfortable with biblical absolutes. And, and, and so the nature of God, I mean, how about the resurrection of Christ? Um, you know, who would have ever thought that you could have a seminary professor uh, who denies the resurrection of Jesus, but who still identifies uh, with the label Christian? Um, how, how do you how do you get that? Well, you get that when you buy into progressive theology. Uh, of course, they, they struggle greatly, son. Um, those who buy into this, they struggle with the traditional biblical teachings of heaven and hell, especially hell. Uh, um, they don't. They don't like that doctor. Well, who does? I mean, none of us, you know, like that. But, but it is what it is. I mean, we can't pick and choose. We can't, you know, create a Bible that you know, I, I'm going to make it the way I like it. Um, but, but we we can either accept it or we can reject it. And what progressive theology does is it seeks to reinvent some some very important biblical, some just the most foundational biblical teachings, and and changes the meaning. And when you do that, sign you uh, you, you lose the gospel. You you lose the Christian faith and you end up with what you've got today in some, you know, even mainline denominations where um, it's interesting. I'm surprised they haven't come out in favor of adultery and fornication. But when you promote, you know, um, gay marriage, when you promote transgenderism, you know, those are two areas that progressive theology um, really has, his, they, they, they've slid into that by rejecting the other, uh, you know, the other key doctrines, as, you know, such as the authority of scripture and so forth. They, they slide into their uh, really wishy-washiness on gender issues and sexuality issues. And, you know, you would think that, that the, 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 the gender issue, male and female, he created them uh, is a no brainer. Well, it is. Uh, for, for, for those of us who haven't, you know, lost our minds, uh, it is a no brainer. And you would think that that God's designed for marriage between man and a woman uh, that that's a no brainer. Well, it is, unless you lose your mind, and and that's what happens, son, when you start to wander into the forest of progressive theology. Um, your mind goes, your your allegiance to Scripture goes, and and when that goes, um, all of these essential doctrines are are uh, up for grabs. And then and I'll just leave it at this on where that leaves a person then is that you you are not going to be receiving the benefits of the Holy Spirit, uh, bringing you, you know, faith in Christ, bringing you the fullness of the spirit, bringing you uh, power uh, from God to be a witness for Christ. All of these things um, and and primarily the forgiveness of your sins through faith in Christ, you are going to risk losing everything if you throw out the Bible. And, and progressive theology has uh, essentially thrown out the Bible. They've come up with their own Bible. Um, it's their own version of the Bible, in essence. But you cannot change the key doctors of the Christian faith without losing the Christian faith. And so, you know, those who are um, blinded by progressive theology need our prayers. They need our compassion. They, they need our assistance because they are lost in a forest of their own making, Son. And it, it's really sad to see.
0: You know, Dan, one of the things that, seems to come up a lot is you know the the sexual nature of sin in the church I mean for many many years, you know there was that Catholic church, the priest abusing boys, and that whole sexual scandal that kind of came out of that. And then it kind of quietly went away. And then there's been other pastors that have had to step down because of some sort of indiscretion some uh, somewhere in their past. And so it's something that is a tool that Satan uses and probably a very effective tool more so than maybe anything else to be able to ensnare people. And one of the things that makes it really easy for us to get involved in that is obviously the Internet. The Internet provides us with an opportunity in private to search the web, to search out images of a sexual nature, whether it be pornography or other things. And we're starting to see how that creeps into uh, the, you know, the the theology, so to speak. Because what I think happens, at least from my experience, following somebody, you start to see theology change what they're preaching. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to make theology and preach a theology that then doesn't make their lifestyle or what they're doing sinful. It makes it acceptable. And so if you can change theology to be like, okay, this is not a sin, or the Bible doesn't say anything about homosexuality, or the Bible doesn't say anything about abortion, or the Bible doesn't say anything about this, then it's not a sin, and therefore it's acceptable. And then people want to twist that and kind of utilize that when they have a defense of something that literally goes against the Bible, but they're preaching the opposite.
1: You know, Son, that is exactly right. And here's what it makes me think of. I think of Paul's words to uh, the young Pastor Timothy when he wrote, watch your life and doctrine closely, um, because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Now, Now, here's what's interesting, Son. You know, what we addressed a moment ago was progressive theology, which is very, very dangerous. But what is equally as dangerous is what we might call progressive behavior. Progressive behavior. That would be behavior that is deviating from God's design for our thought life, for our viewing habits, for our speech, for the things we think about, um, for the way we talk, for, for how we go about our life, how we use our body. You know, so, so progressive theology um, is, is damning but 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 so also is progressive behavior when you give your life for sin um you are not on the highway to heaven Uh, i mean we all we all sin i mean as christians we're all sinners but, 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 if you just hand your life over to sin and make that your um you know your priority, um that is not uh, that is not compatible with the christian faith and it is interesting that what Paul said to Timothy was you know the first thing he said there was life, what's your life and doctrine? So you gave a couple of examples there Son, of 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 some folks in churches um, who um, had had things going on that were clearly unbiblical and wrong and things they were engaged in. well. This is why Paul told Timothy, "Watch your life and doctrine closely because if we if we go off the rails on either of those songs, if we get into progressive theology, um, we will be deceived we'll deceive others um if we go into progressive behavior, uh then we will deceive ourselves for a while. Uh, and we will also be a very, very poor witness, and actually will can, can easily turn people away from Christianity uh, if, if if that becomes something then that um, we, we make a part of our life uh, rather than repenting and and turning to the lord so yeah so both of those are key um we 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 need to be focused on both hey again we're all imperfect so we're not talking here about perfection because if that were the case well then no one could be a good christian no one could could go to heaven um if the only way to go to heaven was to be perfect um only jesus was perfect and his death was perfect for our sins but as forgiven sinners who are now children of god We are called um, to live a holy life, uh, a life that is is noble and right and pure. Uh, In fact, there's a, a verse in Scripture that says everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So that is God's call on our life as believers. Uh, It's not, you know, we'll go dabble with sin, you know, live Monday for sin, Tuesday, you know, for the Lord, Wednesday for sin. I mean, you know, this is, this is to be a a lifelong daily 24 seven walk with Christ and, um, and wherever we fall short. Uh, We can go directly to the Lord with it. Um, We can ask for the Lord's forgiveness, which he certainly gives us. Uh, But then we also, uh, by his grace, will seek to turn away from it. Because if we're not seeking to turn away from sin, uh, that is not a good sign that that the Lord of glory is living within us, that, that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. If we can be okay just going on sinning, no conviction of sin, no you know no compunction with that no you know, it doesn 't bother our conscience and more importantly, if it goes against the Word of god um, that 's not a good sign and and so the Lord wants us to keep short accounts and and to confess our sins and, and to know while we 're doing that god 's not looking to like strike us with a lightning bolt or you know no god loves us we're in his family he's given us the holy spirit through whom we cry out abba father which is a it's an aramaic term uh it's a very intimate term i mean you know children you know use the term daddy um for um you know for their dad and and this this abba father is an intimate fellowship that we now have with the father in heaven that we didn't have song prior to our conversion, before we were saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven. But when we repented and believed the good news, Uh, Our conversion, our justification, it was instantaneous. And even if a person doesn't know exactly when that happened, um, if you're trusting in Christ, uh, and and if you're using that beautiful personal pronoun, my, you know, if if you find yourself saying or thinking, Jesus is my Savior, that's a very good sign, my friend, because that's a very good indicator that Christ is living in you. Just think back before you were a Christian. You didn't talk that way. You did not talk that way. You didn't talk about Jesus as my Savior, you know. He was maybe a, more of a distant, uh, you know, figure or something like that. But, but there are some beautiful things that happen, son, when, when Christ is born in us uh, through faith. And, and one of them is that God calls us to turn away from some of those things you've mentioned and anything that's evil, anything that's wicked, anything that's impure.
0: You know, Dan, uh, recently you wrote an article and you're talking about When it comes to, you know, pornography violating biblical boundaries. And I know there were some comments that I was reading after that article and some people were disagreeing with it from the standpoint saying that pornography is innocent. It doesn't hurt people. And of course, they're wrong because there's many, many, many researches and um, data and stuff out there that really proves pornography is a negative impact on somebody. But right. I find it interesting that uh, Billie Eilish is a singer. I guess she's about to turn 20, so she's a young singer. She's already had great success, Grammy Award winning and everything. She said she was addicted to pornography starting at the age of 11. And it said she basically destroyed her brain. It said that uh, she goes on to talk about how it was giving her nightmares. Uh, it was messing her up when she started dating. Um, you know, And so it really was a bad thing for her, an experience that she – looks back on and says it was devastating. Now, obviously as an 11 year old, that is probably not a well-adjusted person to be able to watch that. But there's a lot of truth in what she says, because when you start to consume adult movies and adult entertainment, it starts to rewire the brain and you start to look at things a little differently and you start to treat people a little differently and your expectations become different. I mean, I remember when, um, what were those movies? The, uh, the, the, the Shades of Grey. There was a 50 Shades of Grey, you know, and a lot of women were sucked into the fantasy. Or even, forget that, let's go back even further. When they used to have in the, the grocery store those, those book stands with, you know, Fabio on the cover and all the salaciousness, you know, it's that they're buying into a fantasy. And so, right. you know, so for, and, and for men, you know, at least in the old days, it used to be, I guess, pornography for men, but now I guess mm-hmm. because it's in the home, it's open to a lot of women now too, but there's that fantasy, you know, whether it's the Fabio books or the 50 shades of gray book, you know, these women have things built up in their minds and then that's mm-hmm. not being fulfilled because. The guy isn't able to reach that level of expectation. Or on the flip side, you know, men see something, they want to uh, emulate that in the bedroom. And, and the woman's like, what? This is degrading and disgusting for me to, to be a part of this and to take part in this type of activity. And that doesn't fulfill the excitement that the guy is seeing with the images. And so the whole thing really does get messed up. And I asked somebody one time in a conversation, I said, what good has really come from porn? I mean, seriously, Mm-mm. what good? Nothing. right? You know, there nobody right. can tell me that. Like, nobody can tell me, like, oh, <laughs> right. Um, right. this is good. Because most of the time, something negative or something bad is coming out of it. and For so, sure. And so, again, when you look at somebody like Billie Eilish, who I don't think is a, a scholar, I don't think she's a psychologist, you know, nothing like she's a singer, talented singer, but she even mm-hmm. realizes all these years later that by watching it, it was devastating on her and the violence yeah. and the abusiveness that has come from that either self-inflicted or based from on other people, whatever the case may be, I would ask again, what good comes from it? Yes.
1: Yeah. No, there, there's nothing good son. You know, um, the way I put it in the article was that uh, porn scrambles the brain. It abuses the mind and it hardens the heart. And and that is so true. And, And whether you're married or whether you're single, it will scramble your brain, whether you're married or whether you're single it will abuse your mind. And whether you're married or whether you're single, it will harden your heart. Um, not only toward the Lord but also toward your spouse if you 're married um, it will it will give you a much different perspective on life it just It, it just tends to um and this is just the testimony of, of of really um tens of thousands many more than that even son but it, it just it just uh turns uh you know it, it just turns up uh, anger aggression. Um, it, it, it just, it really, it really, um, ruins the heart. And and so, yeah, that's a great question you asked on what good has come from it. Nothing. Um, and, and then of course, you know, there are, uh, so many examples in society where, where, you know, sex crazed individuals and predators will, um, you know, they will end up, uh, kidnapping at times, you know, uh, you know, victims, people raping others, people, uh, putting, uh, people into um, trafficking situations, sex trafficking. I mean, all of this horrendous evil that goes on when when a man or woman's sexual lust is just out of control. You know, there's the whole thing in the news with Jeffrey Epstein, Epstein, whatever it is, and um, and then that that gal that worked with him and, and and how they were basically trafficking, you know, young girls, but they were engaging it sounded like in so many, you know, just perverse things themselves. But but you know, that's where the sinful nature of man goes, I mean you know we're, we're here's so what did you think would happen? I mean this is like you know kind of a rhetorical question to uh, to to all of us who are human. What did you think would happen when you traveled down to the basement of your soul um, when you began to feed uh, those desires for sexual lust? Um, what did you think would happen? Where did you think that would go and and of course. Um, it, it becomes uh, a raging fire in the mind. Uh, many people then find son that they're not able to control in the mind, so they need to then, you know, engage in sexual immorality with their body. Um, be, because it is, it, it's a very um uncontrollable kind of thing. You know, not all that different, I suppose, for meth or heroin. Um, you know, for some people it's gambling, uh, for some people it's drugs, some people it's alcohol, some people it's porn. And 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 so the Bible says a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And, and all of these things have a way of, of just mastering people, dominating people, putting people in bondage. And even though um, it, it might appeal to the flesh there for a while, um, boy, it comes with um, such, a, uh, such negative consequences, such painful consequences. So, um, you know, our... Uh, our young people today who've just grown up in a culture that, are, that is saturated, saturated with porn, um, they really need our, our guidance, our help. They, they, they need to know that God will forgive them. Um, you know, they need to know like what David did after he had committed sin with Bathsheba, uh, committing adultery with her. Uh, you know, his prayer Son, was, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And, and this is what God can do for a person who has been um, overcome by, by porn, by sexual images, by sexual lust. By sexual sin, whether it be uh, fornication, whether it be heterosexual sin, whether it be homosexual sin, um, God is someone who loves us and will forgive. But but he, the Bible says, God commands all people everywhere to repent in Acts seventeen thirty. So it's not like, oh well, I'm going to come to God asking for forgiveness so I can go on and sin some more. Um, no, I'm going to ask God for forgiveness, and Lord, help me not to sin anymore, because that has to be the goal, son, of a professing Christian. Um, that has to be our goal. And if that's not our goal, let's say a person's double-minded. and The Bible warns about that, where you got like one foot in heaven and one foot in hell, and you're not really sure which way you want to go. It's almost like a person in a marriage, and, and it's like, well, I love my spouse, but I also, you know, love this person I'm having an affair with. It's like, well, yeah, that's a that's a huge mess now. And and there's only one safe way out of that and not to say that there won't be consequences even when you take the safe way but but the other way is is going to be far worse but um, you know son it, it, when a person has a foot in both camps it just it just doesn't work it, and, and a person's miserable I mean those are the most miserable people you know if you have a Christian who has a foot in both camps and, and they're flirting with sin or if you have a married person who has um, a foot in both camps and they're cheating on their spouse those are probably the most miserable people on the planet, because it's like they're telling themselves they want to have both, but what their practical life is showing them, Son, is it, I mean, it doesn't bring peace. Um, There is no peace, the Bible says, for the wicked, and there is certainly no peace if we try to live in two worlds. And and I'll even put it this way, Son, you know, unbelievers who are just diving into sin uh, have more um, just, you know, a temporary peace, I suppose. Than, than, than those who maybe know the Lord and are trying to live in two worlds. Because because unbelievers don't have the Holy Spirit living within them. Their body is not uh, a temple of God. They do not have that Abba-Father relationship. They can sin and not feel convicted. but But you try to do that as a Christian, it won't work. You'll be miserable. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people, they don't want Christianity. You know, it, it, is, it is challenging um, to say no to sin. Uh, and it is no fun to come under conviction. Um, and some people just figure, well, rather than come under conviction, I'll just ignore God. I'll pretend he doesn't exist. I'll live in my heart, you know, content with sin. And, of course, on the biggest problem with that is then, um, then you stand before God on Judgment Day with with no covering for your sin, no no defense, um, nothing but eternal punishment and condemnation in front of you. And, and so how much better? No wonder Jesus said, you know, if your, if your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. It's better to go through life with, with just one eye than, than to have both eyes and be thrown into hell. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You know, and, and the same thing, you know, it is better to go through life with, with one hand. So what was Jesus saying? He's saying that's how serious this is. Um this is very serious. If you're letting your body dictate, if you're letting your, your sinful desires dictate the direction that you're going, um, it, it, it's time to check yourself. It, it, it's time to compare that with Scripture. And, and if you find that you're entangled in sin, which we all can be, we all can get that way, Son. But if a person finds that he or she is entangled in sin, then it's time to get alone with Jesus. This Christmas would be a perfect opportunity. Get alone with God. You know, just just get in a room, turn off your phone and just pray and ask God's forgiveness and ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit and start feeding your mind the word of God and and, and talk to another Christian about it or to a pastor or someone that that you you know, someone you trust or just you and God. I mean, either way, but um, many times having someone else involved is is very helpful as well. But um, boy, this is the time, son. I mean, people need to get ready because the Lord's coming back soon and, and people don't want to be um they, they don't want to be caught up in something that they, they know the Lord doesn't want when he comes back. I mean why who would want that? I mean we have gotta be ready for the Lord when he comes back, and now's the time to do it.
0: Yeah, Dan, I think it was Jay Vernon McGee, that uh, old time pastor that made the comment like he didn't want to do something like be caught in sin or have a sinful lifestyle because he didn't want to be caught in that moment, if Christ came back today, like yeah, in that moment, point. you know, and I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, he doesn't want to be involved in some sort of sinful act or sinful nature, um, because right. if Jesus came back at that moment, what would that be like, and I've always found that was kind of interesting, an interesting perspective. Yeah, yeah, no, no,
1: Son, if I may, just real quickly, I'd like to just jump in on that, you make a great point, I just, while we're on that, what I'd like to throw in there is, I, I don't want people to think when we say this, and, and I totally agree with, with your point and his point on that, I don't want people to think that. Does that mean if I commit a sin and I don't have time to confess it to God uh, before, you know, and He comes back, and I'm not going to go to heaven? No, that's not what we're saying, and that's not what Jay Vernon McGee was saying. I mean, your your sin is is covered, you're forgiven, um, but 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 you don't want to be living in a way, um, that you know would not please your Savior, and and, and so, um, no, it's not like well, if the last thing I do is a sin and then God comes back, I mean, if you're a believer, you're a believer, but but why? why do something that won't please the Lord? Why do something for which you'd be ashamed if the Lord were to come back right now? And I think that's the the point that Jay Vernon McGee was making. So uh, sorry to interrupt there, son. I just wanted to throw that point in and and uh, because I, I, I think that's important for people to realize with that.
0: Yeah, the point wasn't that he's imperfect and therefore, you know, or he's perfect and therefore right. he's not. But it's like, okay, I mean, let's just think about it in the practical terms. If you're a young kid or maybe Adam and Eve, you know, they were embarrassed by, uh, their actions in the garden said so they cover themselves up because they were embarrassed or you know if there's a young kid right. or uh, even a toddler's will sometimes or even the dog sometimes you notice that they kind of get busted and their attitude's that kind of a yeah. shameful thing you know you yeah. see it in you see yeah. it in human or you see it in nature whether it be man or or animal you see that kind of embarrassment because they got caught doing something you know and that's the whole point it's like OK, if you're talking about watching pornography, do you want to be caught in the second coming of Christ in front of the in front of the uh, Internet, watching something inappropriate right. or engage right. in some form of inappropriate acti- activity, exactly. you know, or exactly. do you want to strive? Now, you might get caught in those because that's your sinful uh, temptation and Satan has a stranglehold on you and it's a fight, it's a fight, it's a fight. Um, and you're constantly fighting your sinful nature, but it's like, do you want to strive to be in a situation where, you know, for example, using his analogy in the second coming Christ comes again, are you doing something that's not going to be embarrassing? Are you going to do something that's not going to be, uh, shameful? The other thing too, that I always thought was interesting was like, you know, if you think about, we've talked about it before, Dan, with, uh, what would Jesus do? But what if you just envisioned yourself sitting next to Jesus? Okay. Would he be pleased with what you're watching? um you yeah. know if you if your parent was sitting next to you if you had i guess parents that cared um cuz i guess some people don't care um but if you had parents that cared would you want them to watch what you're watching or grandparents or you could know, put that very good in, you point. Know, or yeah. whoever you 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 think uh, highly of as a as a person would you want them sitting there i remember one time um I forget what show it was. It might've been the A team or something like that. I don't know. And mm-hmm. I remember I was staying at my grandma and grandpa's one time and I thought, uh, they're like, you want to watch TV? And it was a yeah. rarity that I would watch TV with grandma and grandpa because I just, you know, just didn't watch right. TV, but I thought, okay, you know, this is kind of one of those rare occasions that, okay, let's right. watch TV. So, uh, there was nothing on as far as what they wanted to watch. And this was pre cable. And I guess the A team was on or something like that. And if you don't know what the A team is, you can go look it up. Um, it's a TV show, but, um, but we started watching it, and you know, it was fine. It was uh, for a moment, and then it started getting to kind of, you know, some '80s TV content. You know, nothing really bad. But I'm like sitting there thinking, okay, do I really want to be sitting here with my grandparents watching this? You know,
1: and yeah. and, and as I think yeah. back
0: on it, you know, it's it's probably quite innocent. I don't know. I can't remember what episode it was or whatever. But you know, there's guns, yeah. there's shooting, you know, stuff like that. And so I just changed the subject. Say, hey, let's go play dominoes, or let's go play some games. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and that kind of stuck with me. It's like, okay, if I'm going to be doing something and Jesus, or or if that moment with my grandparents was kind of like awkward, let's say, and I'm watching something, you know, I guess could be deemed harmless by today's standards. And Mm -hmm. now what would I be doing if Jesus was there? If I'm on my phone, what I'm listening to as far as music and lyrics go, you know, if we have that image of Jesus sitting next to us, so instead of what would Jesus do, What would we do if Jesus was sitting right next to us or if he was looking through our eyes and seeing, which he is, what we see?
1: Well, that's right, Son. And and all we have to do as believers to just really bring that point you're making home to our, our daily life. Is to realize Jesus is with us. He's He's in us. He is next to us, um, just as you're saying. I mean, um, he so so just because we don't see him, um, just because we don't see him with our earthly eyes, he is no less present. And 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 so for us, it, it comes back to a matter of: Am I practicing the presence of God? That is, am I am I really you know insisting that I keep in mind that everything I'm doing, the Lord's right here, you know? And isn't that amazing, son? How human nature. Even for believers, I mean we, we can deceive ourselves into thinking, well, nobody is seeing me do this, you know, but wait a minute, wait a minute. You're you're a professing Christian, right? Um I mean, wouldn't you want to wouldn't you want to please the Lord more than anyone? But 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 when we when we get into temptation, we, we just, we, we let, we let that truth slip away and and it's just not something that um, needs to happen in the life of a Christian. Um, But we've all experienced it. And, you know, there's a story I'm reminded of, son, that kind of ties in a number of these things we're talking about with what we look at and everything. But uh, I may have shared this before, but real quickly, there was a, a grandmother who went to visit her grandson at college and she went into his dorm room and she noticed that there were a lot of, uh, pictures on the walls of, of uh, women with just barely anything on. And, and so she didn't say anything to her grandson about it and everything. They had a good visit. And uh, the next time she came, um, she had a gift for him. And she gave him this beautiful picture of Jesus. And and so he really liked that. He decided to put that on his wall. And and here's what she noticed uh, cause as she would come back to see him periodically. It's like after he put that picture of Jesus on the wall, it's like every time she came, there were fewer uh, photos of the practically naked women. On, on the walls, and, and, and the, the moral of the story is that when we fix our eyes on Jesus, as the Bible tells us, these other things they, they have less power over us um, the, the way it 's supposed to be, uh, because sin is never supposed to have any power over us. Uh, but, but it is a mental battle, and, and this is why the Bible says that we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is why it is so dangerous if we don 't have boundaries for our viewing um, and, and for our thought life. Because without boundaries, son, um then we are going to do just what Adam and Eve did when they ignored the boundaries. I mean God had clear boundary lines, you know. Um why were they so close to that tree in the first place? Um were were they you know what, what were they contemplating, you know, that, that even led them to be that close to it, um, let alone then to start to contemplate, you know, Satan's lies. So um we want to keep our feet from evil. We want to stay as far away from situations that that could tempt us to compromise, because you know as Jesus said, um, you know the, the the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and, and so there's not one of us, even as a Christian, uh, who doesn't have a weak flesh, our strength is not in our flesh, not in our sinful nature, never it, it's not you know our sinful nature never improves, but but that 's not who we are now that 's the basement room of our soul, um, our heart where Christ lives upstairs. In the main room, where we have our decision-making, where we have free will, where we get to choose what we think about, um, when we're up there, uh, you know, just fellowshipping with Jesus, with other Christians, with God's Word, you know, doing things that are wholesome and, and pure, um, there it, it, it's there, there's peace, there's life, there's joy. But in the basement, there's just like this constant, um, just this constant, urge to do things that are not God's will and God's plan for us so um, so yeah I, I thought what that grandmother did was a great idea with her grandson and it's a good reminder to us uh, concerning you know just our daily thought life and viewing habits
0: you know I often thought that I didn't really read this anyway I just kind of came to this conclusion myself through I guess just over the course of life you know. We really have to train our brains. I know a lot of people play those games where, like Sudoku and stuff, where you're gonna work out your brain. You know, your brain's a muscle. We hear you got to work it out. You mm-hmm. know, you got to exercise it. Otherwise, you know, you might lose uh, ability. I don't know. But one of the things right. we have to do is we really have to train our brain and train ourselves to to really focus and work on things such as yeah. avoiding you know, getting lured into watching something or or even, like, judging others, you know? I mean, think of how many times right. we, we're going to judge others or we're going to gossip or we're going to talk mm-hmm. bad about somebody. It doesn't matter what it is, but we have to train ourselves, like, actively train ourselves. It's not going to come easy. Sure, we have Jesus in us. We have the Holy Spirit with us. And so, mm-hmm. you know, through this, through Scripture and prayer, it can be changed. But also, if we take a, I think, my thought is if we take a progressive attempt at concentrating and focusing on changing and, and changing the way our thought process is and changing the way we think about things and, and yeah. go about doing things yeah. and actually make a conscious effort physically yeah. to retrain our brain and to exercise it to think, okay, here's an example. Most of the time, people that are negative, they are thinking negatively. They probably have mm-hmm. negative thoughts in their hearts, you know. You, there's this one guy that I uh, had to recently kind of give up following on social media because he was just so negative, it's depressing. Mm. And I tried to yeah. reach out to him and talk to him and be like, hey, try this, try that, this, that. And then, you know, a, here's a small example. Apparently, he doesn't like daylight savings time, so he always gripes and complains. And for as long as I've known him, uh-huh. he's griped and complained about daylight savings time. So mm-hmm. I suggested, hey, you ever thought about moving to Arizona? No daylight savings. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. You know, that sent him like to like some more misery, you know, other negative things. Oh, okay. boy. So, oh, boy. anyways, but that's the type of thing. It's like if you're always being negative, you're going to find the negative in everything. If you're positive, you look to the positive in everything. But that takes effort. It takes effort to, to whatever you are, yeah. to kind of overcome that, like say, negativity or overcome that habitual thought process or that lazy mind. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lazy mind really to take the, the easy way out. You know, I, I deal with a lot of school kids and there's math problems or other problems, or even college kids when I was teaching college, that problem solving skills people don't have anymore. They can't problem solve. And so what I used to do was I used to build into my lessons and stuff problems and they would come across a problem and they'd be like, Hey, you messed up. I'm like, but did I really? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. I'm like, okay, what are you going to do to resolve this problem? And they had a hard right. time resolving problems. And I think it's the way that we are, the way that we just, I mean, social media, we can just blindly flip through videos and pictures and our mind just gets wasted away. So let just take like the adult material out of it. Just... Idly, you know, wasting our minds away on flipping through social media, you know, TikTok or Snapchat or whatever else, and we're just like, you know, aimlessly wandering about, letting our minds just go, you know, untrained and get right, out of shape, right. and that's what we become yep. today.
1: Well, I know, son. You know, here is the image I'm, I'm I'm picturing as you're as you're talking. You know, it's like it's like we're we're all in our own little boat, and we're in this river where there's a there's a, a current pulling us downstream. It's not so strong that we can't like paddle against it if we really paddle super hard, but then we also have an engine on our boat and the engine and starting the engine, letting that, you know, uh, power us, you know, in the other direction, um, that would represent God's power in our life. So, so if a person, to, to use your point there, Son, if a person is just lazy and just lets whatever come, come, you know, in today's society, there's going to be plenty of stuff. That's gonna, you're just going to float downstream and get caught up in all sorts of stuff. It's going to be bad for your, for your thought life and your mental state, your spiritual state. Um, now, the other option is, is just to paddle super hard and just focus all the time, trying to just do it yourself. And, and you might be able to keep a pretty clean mind that way, but, but there's a better way even than you trying to do all that and that is to let the Lord power you, power you upstream uh, as you meditate on the word, as you pray, as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, because that's much better, uh, a much better, a much better just a stronger way to fight that current than doing it in your own strength, um, because God will help us uh, to think those thoughts that are are, are holy and pure and, and pleasing to him. And that's why in Philippians, you know, we're told, you know, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. But that doesn't mean you have to do it in your own strength. Um, fill your mind with scripture that, that, that's, that's a way that, that, that motor on your boat, um, you know, really gets, gets moving upstream and, 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 and the boat starts to go a little bit faster against the current, you know, the more you feed your mind, the word, the more you pray. But if you, if you neglect, if you neglect those things, and, and and you neglect fellowshipping with other Christians, and you neglect—I uh, mean, there's a lot of ways there that we can be more susceptible to the current. Um, and, and you said it, Son, I mean, if a person just, you know, uh, flipping through TikTok or whatever it might be, I mean, if you just— go out there in search of something, um, you're going to find a lot of stuff that is going to pull you in the wrong direction. Uh, but if you have a, an idea in mind and, and, and you're looking for something that is noble or that is there's a biblical, uh, I mean, may, maybe there's a YouTube video on a, a, a spiritual topic uh, that, that you're going to find uh, inspiring. Um, you know, just put on one of the books of the Bible, um, you know, go to one of the apps or just open up your Bible or, or, or however you, um, Choose to get it into your into your mind, um, reading it or listening to it. Uh, there are so many good options today for that. Uh, but as we're saying, there's also a lot of options for the other stuff. So, um, as you said, son, I mean, it, it takes it takes a choice. It, it you know, it really is a decision. It's, uh, many times not just an hourly decision, but minute by minute, isn't it? Especially if we have some free time and and oh, what, what am I going to look at now? Well, be careful, um, you know, be wise because there's a lot of stuff out there that. Not not only won't feed your mind and your brain and your soul um, the stuff of God, but it'll really uh, chip away at it. And before you know it, you'll be like, you're just drifting downstream, and, and uh, none of us want to be there. You know, Dan, that
0: also includes our lifestyle. when we're about our minds and the things that we focus attention on and stuff. But it's also the lives that we lead, you know, for example, I talked about Billie Eilish earlier and how she was watching pornography starting at the age of 11 and it really affected her and she said it was abusive, devastating, it was like, you know, gave her nightmares and it was just horrific. And then, yeah. you know, recently, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but Holly Madison was one of the, the girlfriends of Hugh Hefner. And she has come out recently. I know she came out years ago with a, a tell-all, I guess, or a memoir or whatever, hmm. and has some interesting stories in there about how bad it was. But there's another, you know, um, story coming out with her, I guess, going on podcasts or whatever. So she's making news again. And, again, a lot of what she details or talks about are things mm-hmm. that aren't Good, like she talks about. I guess the first time she was with you, having her, you know, overnight, and it was oh. uh, she. She describes as mm-hmm. traumatic, you know. Yeah. And so again, yeah. when you're when you're taking something outside of what God has designed, mm-hmm. you right. know. Re, right. Again, I mean, and I only bring that up because it's another example of where yeah. people will sit there and say, "Oh, well, well-adjusted people, it's not going to matter to them." Well, yes, mm-hmm. it does because you've got people, more and more people coming out, and when they when you listen to their tell all stories. When you listen to anybody that maybe is like a, someone who's gone in the adult business or maybe someone who is on stage, you know, stripping somewhere or whatever, there's always abuse right. involved. There's always something negative sure. involved in their life, and it's their lifestyle. And that's the thing that's hard to overcome because Satan will, will grab that, and they'll take that, right. and they'll He'll run with that it. He'll
1: against them, yeah. yeah. And, then, and they'll oh, think yeah. that's where yeah.
0: – I mean, I remember one time we were talking with uh, – um, a charity type situation, uh, and I forget the name, but it's like Esther's house or something like that in, in Moldova. And at mm. the time, by the time a young girl reaches 18, if they're like an orphan, for example, and the foster mm. system, they get kicked out of the foster system because they're too old. And right away, mm. waiting there at the doorsteps as they're getting kind of booted out the door yeah. are sex traffickers looking to put them right wow. into, into that. And so, wow. again, you know, the evil that kind of sits in that world
1: You know, the evil that
0: sits, if it's the extremes from, you know, sex trafficking, like you mentioned with Epstein and and, uh, the girl that's on trial now, uh, Maxwell, I think it is. Or you look Mm -hmm. at, you know, someone who voluntarily goes into uh, a a relationship like Holly Madison with Hugh Hefner or somebody who engages in watching something. Again, I ask the question, what good Mm -hmm. comes from it? I mean, because right. it seems like it's just time and time again, it's a tragic story, followed by a tragic story, followed by a tragic story. I mean, look at Josh Duggar. I guess he just got, you know, uh, sentenced because mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, child pornography. And again, mm-hmm. what good yeah. comes from it? And so we can take that and expand it beyond the sexualized world into right. other areas. If you're drinking a lot, an alcoholic what good comes from it? If you're gossiping, what good comes from it? If you're constantly Mm -hmm. lying, what good comes from it? If you're doing whatever it is, if you're reading the Bible, what good comes from it? If you're helping others being charitable, what good comes from it? If you're, you know, so again, you can kind of ask yourself what good comes from it. And if you can say something good is coming from it, then maybe that's something we could do. If we say, well, there's not, not much, then maybe we can't do that.
1: Yeah, that, that that's a great point, Son. And it reminds me of something that Susanna Wesley said, uh, the mother of John and Charles Wesley. And they had, what was it, 10 or 12 kids? And, uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, these were some godly children that, that she raised because she was a godly woman. But she said something interesting, Son, uh, and I'll just paraphrase. She basically said, you know, anything um, in her life, and this could be, I suppose, a, a thought pattern. It could be a, a behavior, whatever. But basically, she said anything in her life, that, that she might be engaged in that does not in essence you know increase her interest in the things of God and the in the spiritual things of God in the word and prayer in Christian fellowship, you know anything that like kind of diminishes that in her life, she said that for her is a sin, and, and what a beautiful insight because a lot of times son um we may be engaged or involved in something that we might not even realize that it, it, it's borderline or, or even worse than that. I mean, you would, we would hope that we would. But 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 here's the thing. Um, hopefully we're going to be discerning enough uh, by the Holy spirit and and quick to be able to pick up, you know what, um, this thing, um, this does not increase my desire for prayer and the word of God and, 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 and thinking of Christ and so forth. So, so, um, things that we engage in that, that, um, are grieving the Holy spirit, the, 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 uh, the fruit of that son will be a lessening interest in spiritual things. So it's just a way that we can kind of evaluate. You know, the Bible says um, that we're to, uh, you know, to test everything and to hold on to the good. So one way that Susanna Wesley was testing her life was, does it give me a, a bigger interest in the things of God? And and uh, so what a what a great thought today, you know, with this topic, um, you know, just that that's such a beautiful um, kind of summation of so much of what we've said today is just, um, is it drawing me closer to the Lord? You know, if there's any question uh, that that it may not, might not be of the Lord, uh, you know, then in those cases, it's going to be better generally to not, of course, be involved with it. But um, if the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our life seems to be lessening. Hey, that's a very clear indication. Hey, I need to, I need to step back. I need to, you know, switch gears. I need to change channels. I need to, you know, do the, you know, so, um, and God will give us wisdom on these things.
0: You know, Dan, again, as we start out the conversation talking about moving into the Christmas season, you know, Christmas, obviously a time where, uh, people that believe, no, Jesus celebrates, you mm-hmm. know, Jesus' yeah. his birth and the significance yeah. of that and then going into yeah. eventually his life and then ultimately the crucifixion and the resurrection, uh, which, right. you know, forgives us, for, you know, if we repent, he'll forgive us from our sins, yeah. you know, our salvation, yeah. the ultimate gift. Yeah. And yeah. as we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you um, or kind of share this if you, if you could. You know, we mm-hmm. sit there and we look at Christmas and we look at the gifts. And we look at, you know, we want to give gifts to others because it's become a commercialized kind of event. Like most religious holidays, you know, the world kind of takes it for their own and kind of bastardizes it to its own entity. You know, Easter has the Easter bunny that lays eggs, which doesn't make any sense. You know, Christmas, you have Santa Claus bringing gifts, you know, which doesn't make sense. Um, Anyways, um, but there's a supply chain issue, supposedly. There might not be things on the shelves and all this stuff. And I was thinking, you know, this would be the perfect year because you have an Mm -hmm. excuse. You have a built-in excuse. Oh, you want this toy or you want this? Well, it's not available. Um, It might not be there. You know, you don't have to be deceptive about it, but there's some legitimacy. There might be some things going on this particular season that won't allow us to buy all the gaudy gifts. What if we focus this year on, one, the fact that Jesus was born and his birth and what that means uh, and the miracle in that? Two, what if we took time for family? What if we took time to, you know, be a part of family or to, you know, whether it's DNA-related family, whether it's kind of friends' family, whether it's, you know, whatever whatever you define family is. It doesn't have to be Mm blood-related. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, what if we then, instead of investing in things, we invested either in people or memories, like, getting together or maybe going on a trip or taking that money that we'd spend and doing, maybe going and and giving it to somebody else, you know, as a a charity (laughs) thing, you know, whatever it is, you can become creative. But this might be the year in which we can really turn our focus to what Jesus and the true meaning of Christmas is all about.
1: Yeah, that is such a great thought son and and uh here again it it boils down to uh, to a choice, doesn't it? Um if we will choose to focus on the meaning of Christmas, um if we'll choose to focus on the son of God um coming into our world being born of the virgin Mary and and then thinking about what would it mean if the savior was born in me. Um I mean there's only one physical body that, that was going to hold Christ the way Mary did in her womb when when He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but there are millions of people who have Christ born in them in the sense of being born again spiritually, um, trusting Christ, um, opening up that gift that's under the tree. Um, you know that little baby who um, there uh, was placed in the manger. Uh, it's interesting, son, that uh, you know there there was the wood of the manger, uh, and then. Um, You know, several decades later, uh, the Savior would be hung on the wood of the cross uh, for our salvation and uh it was not an accident in, in in some of the years in between um you know Jesus uh, was a carpenter you know dealing there with wood so i mean you know uh something of this world that was part of his life on earth um and and god used that i mean you think about the wood of the ark that that noah built and the ark really represents uh today the cross and there was one door onto the ark onto that 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 boat that that noah made and, uh, there's one way of salvation and, and the Bible tells us that that's, um, through Jesus alone. So that's a great thought, son, of, of, of just having people think about, you know, what, what could be something this Christmas that, that I could do that we could do to, to be a blessing to others, uh, and maybe out of the ordinary, um, uh, typical, you know, just, um, you know, getting this gift or that gift. Well, what, what can be something we can do to help someone, you know, Come to know the, the the real meaning of Christmas and open up uh, the the gift of salvation uh, through faith. So what a what a beautiful thought! What a beautiful goal that we can all pray for that God will help us this Christmas to do just that. And and uh, boy, the Lord has a way of of uh, providing opportunities, especially when we're when we're praying about that and looking for those, doesn't he?
0: Yes, he does. Dan, thank you so much. We truly appreciate your time, and we look forward to again, like I've. Probably said every time, more conversations as we especially approach the new year. And, um, again, just thanks so much for your time and your thoughts on this, and uh, we really do appreciate it.
1: Oh, it's totally my pleasure, son. Thank you so much for just uh, yeah, allowing me to, to uh, be able to do this with you. And thank you for all you do with your podcast and, and just all the ways that you're reaching out to offer hope to others with the gospel. And so I sure look forward to uh, our next uh, our visit like this and, of course, uh, all the ones that will come in the new year.
0: Again, Dan Dozel, my guest with me each and every week in the conversations. And uh, my name is Son Edom. And the best place to find our podcast is on Radio Warp, Radio W-A-R-P, Radio Warp dot com, if you're looking for other episodes to listen to. Again, thanks so much. We appreciate you listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.